Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to We Radio. We are the Voice of Turkey, affiliated with the Voice of Turkey. Welcome, everybody. I'm your co-host, Dadia. And, and we Bushra. have Bushra. How are you, Bushra, today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good, thank you. We have another jam-packed episode here today for us today, all our listeners. We have a topic we're going to talk about today called Do It For The Gram, The Power Of Social Media. I've never heard that before, so I'm very excited about it. Bushra, have you heard? Yes, I have. Okay. You've never heard, what, what, what exactly didn't you hear? Do It For The Gram. I was just like looking at you, what do you mean? Apparently, for those that don't know, it means do it for the gram, do it for Instagram. So we've got today Dr. Shireen Kassir, I hope I've pronounced her name correctly. She's a therapeutically endorsed behavioral and de- developmental optometrist. So we are going to talk to her today about her interest in modern, fa- modest fashion and motherhood journey through her Instagram platform. Um, and she's a mother of a three-year-old and is currently six months pregnant with her second child. So that'll be on the second half of our episode today. Um, we'll get some more insights on her and how she does all of that while having a three-year-old and I being know, six months pregnant. She, she looks so good. I know this is beyond what we should really be focusing on, but she looks great. She's setting such a good example for our listeners out there. And I think it just goes to show you that, you know, while you're pregnant and through the whole process that you should try to stay as healthy as possible. Correct. And then therefore you, what you're seeing by hearing someone like yourself saying she looks great is because she's looking after herself and being healthy. Correct. And I'm pretty sure with having a three-year-old as well, she's being kept active at the same time. Surely. Yep. So yes. we can talk to more of her about how she does all that. Um, and I want to talk to her more about her massive title here because I'm not sure exactly what that means but I'm not going to look delve into more any more into it because I want her to tell us that's exactly it. what that is that's the beauty of it we want to know we want to learn and this is our opportunity to also get to learn um, about things that we may have other otherwise have some preconceived ideas absolutely so this is a fantastic opportunity for us that's and right. our listeners out there so guys it's we radio we are affiliated with the voice of Turkey as daddy Abla just mentioned earlier and it is the the 14th of July 2020. That's right, at <laughs> two past five. While we're talking about, um, you know, our guest also having a three-year-old and being pregnant, we as the Voice of Turkey or the Re-Radio girls would like to congratulate one of our other co-hosts who hasn't been with us for some time because we all know she's been pregnant, Tuche, um, we've just found out. That's why Edgar's not here today because she's become a grandma and Tuche's become a mum. So that's right, congratulations. <laughs> I love that Congratulations so <laughs> to the both of them, but obviously to Tuche, it's her firstborn, um, and Edgar for being a grandma. It just feels weird because she's only a year older than me. She's already a grandma, and it just thinks, wow. But look, this is such a beautiful time in anyone's life. I mean, welcoming a new baby into the world. Um, it's obviously a trying moment. It's a you know an exciting moment, lots of mixed emotions and everything else, but... Um, Look, we've got another little baby. We've got a little little girl added to the entourage of the other beautiful girls that we've got on We Radio. Isn't that How great? Exciting. How it exciting! It really is. This is this is fantastic news. I am wishing them all the very best. I can't wait to. What, what's her name? Did she? I'm not sure. I forgot to ask. I called. <laughs> I messaged Edgar yesterday, and I called her yesterday, and I was going to call her today, but I thought, you know what? I'll leave her another day before I give her a call. So I'm pretty sure she's very busy and. Um, they're probably so excited and got lots of mixed emotions. So I thought, well, I should probably just leave them and have their little family moment. Yeah. So, but again, another big shout out to the both of you. Congratulations. And um, we can't wait to see the, I can't wait to see the little Me one. Neither. It's I, funny because I've got quite a few friends, uh, you know, around that have 
had kids or having children or have had children. So I don't know, it must be this whole 2020 year of just lots of COVID babies or <laughs> people that were pregnant beforehand that are having babies or, you know, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't, whatever's happening in the world, life still goes on, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Families evolve, families get bigger. Um, and that's what happens, I guess, isn't it? So, um, Edgar, we're missing you already, but I know you're listening. So um, do send us a message if you are, okay? <laughs> um, look, on a, obviously on another note that I wanted to mention, you just said today is the 14th of um, July. And those that are of the have got a Turkish background will know that tomorrow is the 15th of July. And the 15th of July, 2016, um, something very horrible happened in Turkey. There was an attempted coup. Um, I can't believe it's been four years um, since that whole, since that incident all happened. And um, I was um, watching TV yesterday and speaking to my mother-in-law who lives in Istanbul at the moment. And um, while we're watching, talking to her and watching TV, I saw a commercial on TV and I thought that's when I realised, oh, it's actually, you know, 15 July is two days away. Um, they said that um, Türk Telekom, which is the equivalent of Telstra here, is giving every single account holder and I think or anyone who asks for a Turkish flag to hang out on their windows tomorrow. My grandma hangs out a Turkish flag regardless of... Yeah, no, obviously. <laughs> the, the, Rain, the, hail or shine, that flag is up that, there. That's great. I love it. But you know what? I think the Turkish population, Turkish people are very patriotic when it comes to flags. Mm. Look, I know the US, the Americans are also very patriotic. They've all, always got flags. But I don't know if Australians are very patriotic when it comes to things like that. You, you don't really – I think the only time you'll see people having, like, Australian flags hanging is, like, on you know, Australia when they've got – Oh, yeah, from Australia is – Australian flags is, like, you know, when on they've Australia got that little – On Australia Day or if it's, like, the, you know, the English versus the Australian World Cup final or something and they sell them at the – um, petrol stations and you can put on that little plastic clip you can put onto your like onto your cars right. I don't usually see them having the whole flag hanging or in front of their house because in America everyone pretty much has like a pole with a hang and I know in Turkey they do too and look anyone else who from a different country out there that you know um, that does still have their flags put up um, on their house or some sort of a patriotic symbol even in their car or on your key ring or I've got a little pop socket of a Turkish flag on my phone. So everyone's got something, you know, but we are very patriotic. And um, that's when I realised, and yeah, tomorrow is the 15th of July. Um, It was a very sombre moment. Um, I remember that day very well. Um, I don't know for you, Bishra, but my husband gets some notifications on his phone um, from just all different um, newspaper outlets. And he got, you know, I said, oh, I better get up. It's morning and I'll check my messages. And he's reading the paper and he said to me, oh, look what's happened. Get up, get up. And I'm like, I thought he was joking because ever since I was small, I've always, when I was young, I used to hear about it. But the first time you're really going to experience something or see it and understand it and see everything. Are you recounting how you found out? Well, yeah, on the day. On the day. Right. And when I read, when he said, oh, this is what's happened, get up, let's turn the TV on. So we turned the Turkish TV on. And what time was it? It was early in the morning. It was probably about 8, 8.30, like it was morning. Right. Um, and so we turned the TV. Te- midnight. Yeah, us. that's right. I, so I was in Turkey. You were in actually. Turkey. So you'd have a different different opinion or a different feel to how it was. Mm-hmm. But I turned the TV channel on and I, I'll never forget because I turned it on and I thought, no. And every single channel news outlet had that on, everything. And then we switched it again and that's when I switched it to CNN Turk, um, CNN Turkish, and that's when the reporter was talking to the president at the time with his phone, with through, you know, and that that famous recording that he did, and we sat there, and I still have got goosebumps while I'm explaining to you because I sit there thinking, "Oh my God, what's happening?" And then I started to think, you know, what's happening to family over there? Is everybody okay? Who's doing this? What's going on? 
And then obviously through that day and then the days after, you know, once you start to see all the things that have happened through it, it just puts you in a totally different um, place, to be honest. Um, but how – you were in Turkey at that time. I was in Turkey. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty. Mm -hmm. However, I was actually supposed to fly out to Istanbul that morning. Wow. So I got up to – no, it was midnight – and I was I was I was with my grandmother. It was just myself there on a holiday. My my parents and my immediate family here, and um, and I actually got calls from my sister, and I woke up to that. Mm. Um, and she was just like, "Do you know what's going on?" And then when I woke up, I realized there was a lot of um, external sounds like gunshots and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, that is quite unpleasant to remember. Um, it was fairly traumatic, actually. Yeah, I can imagine that. Absolutely. It really was because, um, I mean, yeah, I don't want to get too much into that. But, uh, yeah, so we were supposed to fly out to Istanbul. We were going on mm -hmm. a holiday with my um, auntie. And that didn't obviously happen because of, not. Yep. Because of, um, because of everything mm. that unfolded mm -hmm. um, that morning. But it's just incredible to see how um, how patriotic our people are and to see them stand in solidarity and um, and really just come together during times of hardship. I think that was one of my takeouts and mm -hmm. something that I really admired about our Turkish community. Um, so I think, I guess that's the positive message that we, can, right. that we can put out there to that's our right. listeners. That's right. Yeah, so I just... Um I'm pretty sure. I, I think it was just something I wanted to have a bit of a shout out to those Absolutely. and just remind those that that's happening. And um, even it, at the end of the day, look, um, you know, you'd never want to be in an environment like that at all. And um, just thought we'd sort of take a moment to remember that. Um, and yeah, tomorrow is the 15th already. It's just been four years. So it's been four years. And every year on this day, what happens in Turkey? I think everybody... I think people sort of take, I don't know, but this is what I say. I would hope that people take a step back and reevaluate and have a look at where they are now to where they could have been and to try to fix any wrongs that they've done and hope and ensure that what did try to happen then is not replicated again and is not attempted again. I think that's the most important thing. But I think that we have now a generation of younger people in Turkey that are a bit more open-minded, broad-minded and are very patriotic and have realised that we have a land that's very beautiful, that's full of culture, um, that's full of history, that's got lots of richness in it and we've had, you know, centuries of various different religions living all in peace and harmony where we are as a country and I think it's important to remember those things and move forward and to not lose sight of what you have. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Things happen for certain reasons, but you've just got to hold on to what it is and move and persevere and push forward. And and I hope that that's what they take out of it because every year you do have sombre remindings of those things. And sometimes, I know before you said you didn't want to get into it because some things are quite disturbing and distressing, but sometimes I think you sometimes re need to re-listen to those and remember it because la this year, we, you were in Turkey last year too, well, and so was I, but I got back in January and before we got back, we were in Istanbul and we got off on the 15th, on Besh Temmuz, as we call the 15th July Bridge. It's been renamed after all of this. And there's a monument, a little, like a museum, just at the head of the bridge before it starts. And I always wanted to go and see it. 
and I'm so glad I got to see it. So anyone who does go to Turkey and you are in Istanbul, I would really recommend you go and have a look at it. It just makes you take one step back, reevaluate, breathe in and hear those noises that you probably would have heard that others haven't and understand how traumatic it would have been for people, I think. Can I ask you for you to paint a very, just a short image of what, what was in that museum when you went in there, how yeah. you felt, what? You know, when you just stepped foot into that museum, what, what did you I see? Was, as soon as I walked in, I had tears in my eyes because I couldn't believe that my beautiful country had gone through something like this because as soon as you walk in, there's a big car that's just been demolished, but it's right there for you to see. Um, right to the right side of it, there was a, a huge staircase that was going up towards heaven. That's what it looked like. And there were shoes. It was about two, 250 pairs of shoes. That was to commemorate those people that had died. Wow, that's very beautiful. Yep. And then there very was three or four different big TVs and lots of noises and people talking and speeches around. And as you and on top of the on the ceilings you had like little birds, like like as in like again symbolizing those that died. All those people that died, their names were all over the walls. Um, and then the bottom part of that, there was four or five different monuments that were great. There was the phone of our president, his iPhone was there. For people to have a look at it's there in the museum in a little glass compartment there was another mobile phone that one of the men who was on the bridge who died but a bullet had gone through it so that was there and there was also i can't remember if it was a belt or if it was something to do with the police officer who died in izmir as well at the time so there was a few little bits and pieces of those types of people so and then the other part of that museum was also about other types of coups that have happened in Turkey over the over the years and also other types of coups or similar things that have happened in other countries. And Australia was one of them with the oh, Aboriginals wow. and stuff. So okay. it was trying to show you that these types of things have happened through generations, through different countries and for various reasons, for race, for, for, for land, whatever the reasons were. My girls were both very moved by it um, and it was, it was a moving experience but I think it was one that everybody needs to see. And again, there's the same type of a little monument in Ankara as well, in the president's suite where he is as well. And I think there was a car that we saw smashed in Ibs Sultan in Istanbul as well that was there. We saw that a few years ago. So there's bits and pieces of things all over the country in parts of it for people to never forget. And I think that's what that's for. So, I mean, I won't forget it. I remember being in front of the TV for literally a month watching what's going on back home because you don't want to. It's look, I mean, I know a lot of I don't know if people say it to you, but a lot of people say it to me, Bushra, that, um, you know, you're born and raised here. Why are you so patriotic? But it's the blood that runs through your veins. It's home. It's still home. This is home. Australia's always been home. I was born and raised here. But there's always that sort of a connection that pulls you, right? I don't know if for me it does. You know, and it does to me. It does. I can well. hear you shaking your head, right? Yeah, and I go so, there every year. I yeah, mean. exactly. I go, my my fa my husband and my daughter went twice last year. So like we go every year too. So it pulls you. And there's and I think that word of motherland or in Turkish we call it vatan, I think that holds very dear to us Turks. So that's why it does. So that's my take of what I'm hoping that what people would say. What about you? I actually just want to take a moment and thank you for giving this opportunity to your kids and your children and educating them about the past. Thank because you. Because this is, this is so crucial for our young people to actually um, engage in. They really need to understand 
And I feel that going there and having that first-hand experience is something that is very valuable. I mean, mm. that's that's stuff that you cannot gain from a textbook, right? Exactly, can, absolutely. You can sit here and preach all about it, but yeah. it's going in there, having that first-hand experience. And we need people like you and, and to, re- to really engage in that, in that stuff as well. So um, I think... Um, that this was a nice little commemoration on Thank you. Yeah, what, I we, think what so. we've just explored around um Ombesh Temuz, the fifteenth of July mm-hmm. twenty sixteen. Yep. Um I I I totally agree with everything that you've mentioned and I, I really love what you've just raised. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So why don't we hit, go into a song at least and actually not start, not do a patriotic sombre song, but why don't we do a patriotic <laughs> real upbeat song because, you know, that's what we are as Turks. Um, you've got Tarkan on there. Yes, right? I do. A Be- version of a really nice song that he played in the 20, 2002 World Cup. Yes, so why don't we I listen to it? Turkey, so then. was I. Yeah, we were both there. Yes, and I remember. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So this is a really good song. So there we go. It's yeah. a great song. Let's all hear it from this, Tarkan. This was just playing all over the streets. That year was just incredible. It was. So was. All right, yeah. let's do this. It's Biro Luruz, Yolunda. We'll leave you with that. <laughs> Yeah. 
was Bir Oluruz What was it? Bir Oluruz Yolunda Sorry. I really wish there was a camera here <laughs> because Bushna was bopping away with the fingers up and down and you very rarely see her do that so I have the pleasure of seeing that I'm so lucky I hope you didn't uh, take <laughs> no. footage of it I'm, I'm, I was enjoying this song I like it so, so much So do I I love it. All right. Well, guys, you were listening to We Radio with your co-hosts Bushra and Dalia and we have a special guest with us who is, um, we have Shireen Kassir here and we are going to explore Do It For The Gram, the power of social media. So as we introduced, as Daddy Abla had, she introduced Shireen in such a fantastic way, but I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it again. Um, Dr. Shireen, she's so we, we were going to speak to a therapeutically endorsed behavioral and developmental optometrist. So Shireen, welcome. How are you? Hello, hi. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. I just finished work, so um, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we know you're very busy. You've got um, so much going on and you've managed to fit us in that busy schedule. So just really want to thank you again for taking the um, opportunity and really giving us the opportunity, actually, mm -hmm. I should probably say. So, um, Shireen. Uh, yeah. Are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself? So to our listeners who do not know who you are, um, how would you describe yourself? So I would describe myself, so I'm an optometrist, as you've mentioned previously. Um, so a developmental and behavioral optometrist is just slightly different than your traditional optometrist. So I can go into, detail, into more details about that, you know, later on. Um, I also have an interest in modest fashion. So, and I love sharing modest fashion on my Instagram page mm -hmm. uh, on uh, Tales and Veils. And um, I don't like calling myself an influencer. I don't actually <laughs> like that word. <laughs> so I would call myself a fashion enthusiast. So, um, yeah. So, and I'm also a mother of a three-year-old girl. Wow. Yeah. And I'm currently pregnant and I'm expecting my second child in 
uh, late September. Do you know what you're having? (laughs) Are you allowed to tell us? (laughs) <laughs> so I haven't actually had a gender reveal okay. announcement yet, so okay. we'll keep that a, a All right, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Yeah. So, okay, you said that you were a behavioural and developmental optometrist. Can we get into what that yeah. actually involves? Yeah, you said you – exactly, please. Yeah, In layman's sure. term, so, what is it? <laughs> okay, I'll try my best. So as a behavioural optometrist, we just look at vision as a whole system – so we look at how the environment, um, you know, affects the development of vision. And, you know, as like, you know, all optometrists know that vision is more than um, more than what we can see. So like, for example, like what you can see and, um, and how you process what you see is two different things. So for example, like, you know, if you have a child that is complaining, they can't see the board in the classroom mm-hmm. or they can't read and then you check their vision and their vision is perfectly fine so like they're not long-sighted they're not short-sighted yeah. and you're kind of like thinking so what's going on like why why does this child uh, complain that they can't see is it because are they making things up or like what's going on so as a behavioral optometrist we just look more into depth at other aspects of vision like such as um, for example we look at eye tracking like how they track words across the page right. um, mm. we look at how they focus on things up close and how how long they can maintain the focusing the up close span and all of that attention stuff. span yeah exactly and so um, that's where uh, the behavioral aspect comes into play right exactly yeah so how vision affects their behavior and how vision affects their learning and so we look at their behavioral patterns for example like do they skip a lot of lines when they're learning so that could mean like they have a tracking problem or um um, as well, like we look at if they have like any eye coordination problems, like does one eye turn out or in sometimes um, and just, you know, how they process what they see as well. So, for example, like I would, you know, prescribe um, for, you know, children who have problems like that. So not just, you know, glasses, I would actually prescribe them activities to do at home I was just and exercises. That. I was just going to say, what does a developmental plan or what, what does a treatment plan actually look like for these Yeah, kids? so um, in terms of how we prescribe glasses, it's probably slightly different than a traditional optometrist but um but also as well we we um so we, we supplement prescribing glasses with um, activities and vision therapy so there's actually uh, so you can actually do so depending on the, the how severe the problem is you can actually do vision therapy sessions so which is like a weekly session so it's kind of like your occupational therapy sessions or mm. or so on so we just work on aspects of vision like you know that we see is a bit reduced like visual tracking visual focusing eye coordination skills and um yeah, so that's and I assume consistency is key here. Yeah, definitely. So they, so you can't just do like vision therapy for a, a session or two and not practice at home. Mm-hmm. That you, you won't get results from that. So um, it's something that you have to be consistent about. So the child has to be also, also willing to do the exercises. Um, and um, yeah, so wow, it's this def- is this is something that 
I'm so new to this. Mm. I've never heard of this before. No, neither have I. So thank you for actually. I mean, I go to an optometrist. Every, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, we go. We no. get our eyes checked. I got my eyes checked, but I always, I honestly didn't think there was much of a difference, to be honest. And um, thank you for actually explaining it that there is a vast difference. Can I ask you, Dr. Shireen, when is there a difference in the studies that you have to do for this type of optometrist to the normal? Like, is there a little bit of a branch that's different, or is there a couple yeah, of subjects so- that are varied? Um, yeah, so first, I mean, you do your um, optometry degree, mm-hmm. and then I had to do postgraduate courses. Um, so I did about um, about four courses, postgraduate studies, and um, which involved a lot of uh, uh, traveling as well. So I kind of like, that was kind of like a drive for me to, mm-hmm. to study. And, um, and so, I kind when of you like mean a... four courses, is that like a one-year postgraduate course, and then you've got yeah, so four it's... subjects or semesters? I mean, what? How does that look like? What does yeah, that look so like? it's 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 equivalent to like a one-year one year course. Year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and um, and I kind of like I fell into it, you know, being uh, because I had a mentor who was a behavioural optometrist. Um, as as a new graduate, and she kind of just pushed me into into it. So it's kind of like an accident how I fell into behavioral optometry. <laughs> I never had any plans to um, to like pursue that. you know pursue like yeah pursue that or like you know test children or have an interest in that. So it kind of just happened, and and like after becoming a mum, I just realized how important it is, and I'm just loving it. So that's yeah. excellent. That's so great to see that you are enjoying what you do. I mean, you need to be passionate to deal with to be. I don't want to say to deal with kids because that just sounds horrible, <laughs> but I mean to, to really embrace yeah. what you're doing. Well, I mean, you've got a child at home and you're having to deal with children too. Sometimes being a teacher with small children and tiring, exactly, it's sure. not an easy thing. Um, yeah. Are you, do you, and so do you, do you have your own um, practice or do you work somewhere? No. Or? Yeah, so no, I, I don't have my own practice at the moment. So I just work with a behavioural optometrist. And um, so we have like a few branches mm-hmm. um, around Sydney. Is that something yeah. you'd like to be looking at in the future? Opening yeah, up your own I would place? Love, or, yeah, I would love to have my own practice. So maybe sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we'll just see how that goes. And how are you finding juggling a big, you know, a busy schedule like that with all the, um, you know, obviously doing that kind of work and having to deal with the, um, you know, the treatment plans and everything else and having a family with small children. How is that coping? Is that is that a hard way to cope or is it something that you've found it your is. ways to work around, I guess? Um, it's not easy. So it's definitely not easy. Like having to juggle work and raising a child and being, you know, a wife and having a family and also at the same time, mm. like keeping up my, you know, Instagram page and posting, you know, uh, content on there. So um, it has been like a struggle trying to cope with all of things. And I, I, I can't say that I've been perfect in all of this. So, no, absolutely not. Um, yeah, but so I often... I would have to, like, for example, plan my dinners the mm-hmm. days that I'm working the day before, so the night before. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for today, I, you know, cooked dinner the night before. <laughs> I and, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually, and I have a lot of support from my husband. So my mm-hmm. husband um, also helps me with the cooking, with the cleaning of the house. He, you know, picks up my daughter from childcare. And um, you know, I've, you <laughs> I know, know what I don't, you know, I don't know. Let's see if you know what I'm going to say. You know what it is? It's so good to hear. 
a yeah. clap. Have you got the little clap thing We're ready? A clap out and shout out to all the husbands and the partners and the men mm. out there who actually help. Well, I can't hear I it, Mishnah. Right? Yay! <laughs> that help their wives because you know what? We're living in such a society now where women aren't just being at home and becoming only just being wives and looking mothers and nurturing our families at home. We're actually contributing to the family household income and everything else that we do. And it's so nice and refreshing to see that all these women we've got on are, you know, not just doing mediocre jobs. They're actually doing jobs that take a lot of time and energy and stress and it's quite draining. It so, is. You know? We, Shireen, just to paint a little picture, we speak about this on air. We, we frequently do raise it on air, but we also discuss it off air. So, oh, really? <laughs> it's a, it's a lovely yeah. thing. Absolutely. Because, look, I, I'm another question here. That was one of my questions. How do you juggle it? But before we got, start getting into the other part of your um, the social yeah. media part, I want to just talk more about the optometrist. But, look, we've had a few people um, do the. We've had someone else talk about optometry before, but the, you're talking about something totally different. So, I just want to ask you when it comes to resting your eyes in the evening, would you have a different plan for adults and children or would your plan be exactly the same as to you know we're all looking on our phones quite often it's become part of our lives you know the led lights from that that you know obviously it's not good for you but when we need to unwind at the re- end of the day what should we be doing should your plans be very different to Switch children your phone on tonight yeah night. okay all right but just so for those yeah, that so. don't all right i'm not talking about you <laughs> but like seriously so. would there be something different for adults and children um, it is so with screens it does affect adults differently than mm. children so in terms of you know with children we are seeing so a, a lot of close-up work and a lot of knee work and not enough time outdoors has actually increased the rate of short-sightedness and it's actually like um, it's um, projected that by 2050 half of the world is going to be short-sighted Wow so that is that is massive and it's That's a scary you know, statistic isn't it yeah and it's like you know it's all from our increased just you know obsession with you know phones and close-up work and we don't spend enough time outdoors mm-hmm. and um that's all just causing the increase in the short-sightedness so mm-hmm. so with you know and with adults so or like even with children can experience that as well so if you feel like your eyes get tired when you're looking at the phone um, it's actually it's actually a thing. So it has a name. So it's called computer vision syndrome. Mm. So um, your eyes just get tired. And you might feel like a bit of eye strain and headaches. So normally we recommend not more than two hours a day, but Ooh. taking breaks in between. So like not two hours straight. Um, so there's like this 20, 20, 20 rule where we recommend every 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you look at something 20 meters away, and blink 20 times. So just to help like you lubricate the eyes so that you get dry eyes and mm-hmm. just to relax your eyes. And um, that's the recommendation. I know it's a very hard uh, It is to a good recommendation, that. but it's hard to follow. You're right. It's very hard to follow that in the yeah. time and age that we're in, right? But it's a good recommendation to have. And it's obviously, it's healthy for us to have, right? Yeah. And definitely like an hour before sleep try not to use the phone <laughs> don't do what i do Go, i'm really tired i'm going to bed let me just check my phone for two yeah. seconds and then it's like oh my god it's been an hour and a half yeah i've just come from the dentist i've just come from the optometrist about six weeks ago and yeah i'm getting short-sighted i've been told oh, okay. i'm gonna have to have glasses and You're i said to, i said to oh, him no. i said to the do- i said dr ibrahim do i need because you need them and i said why don't we see you in six months time and you tell me in six months if i need glasses he said no no you're gonna tell me in six months if you need them I'm trying to prolong it as much as possible.
people, but even today, my daughter showed me something on the, on my phone, and I could see myself like going, "Oh, squinting. hang on, I'm squinting. I've got to focus on it." So it's really bad. Look, um, what type of foods do you think we should have eat that would help with our? Or would foods contribute to help a healthy eyesight? Yeah. So I've you know, always been told eating carrots is great. Carrots. Yeah. Is it really? True? It's yeah. not a myth. Um, well, I'm let's sorry see from the to, expert. Like, no? Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. Actually, it is a myth. It's not the best thing to eat for ice. I don't know what how this myth started, how? but I would have thought I if it was no a idea. green vegetable. Think, yeah, so green dark leaf dark vegetables like your spinach, your kale, your um, broccoli, so um, Brussels sprouts. So all of these are real. I'm so, you so get confused. Much, How did the much, carrot come I, about? That's what I was going to say. Isn't it usually the green veggies that are supposed to be the good things? Everything green is supposed to be good? Yeah, so. everything green is really good for vision. And plus, like, anything that has, like, omega-3, like your salmon, your fish, your, like, strawberries. Your chia, yes, chia seeds, like, plant-based. Great. And, yeah, so I think... I don't know where the carrot thing started, but I know in Arabic, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know in Arabic, like carrot rhymes with vision. So like, like um, ah. a, a jazar and nazar. And I feel like it's kind of like a saying. So you that... Lebanese have just decided to add the <laughs> yeah. carrot and food. Everyone just go eat carrot. And the person who probably made it probably owns a fruit shop that's got so much carrot. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I think so. I think we started this to me or something. Wow, this is this is really interesting. I'm having a very confrontational moment right now because you honestly thought if you have lots of carrot, it's going to help your eyesight. I really did. It was I've never instilled heard that. To me as a chi- instilled into me as a child. So ah. thank you for uh, alleviating that misconception, Shireen. So no dear listeners out there who want to <laughs> improve vision, don't, don't stock up on carrots, especially no. with the pandemic. Don't. Wow. Okay. You know what though. Um, this is great news for me because I actually love dark leafy greens. Mm. So, sure. I mean, I don't need to make any adjustments to my diet. I love leafy greens. So, mm, I'll just good. continue yeah. as per usual. And mine's obviously, my eyesight's changing because of, you know, age. You know, <laughs> age, age goes. So, you know, I just got to accept that, don't I? But, uh, yeah, look, that's nice to know. Is it, So, um, what about nuts and things like that? Do they affect your eyes or are they more... They were for the yeah, brain, so with, they, but... with nuts, they're really so you get a lot of um, nutrients from from nuts as well. Mm-hmm. So like um, like almonds, Brazil nuts, um, mm-hmm. they're one of the two like you know big nuts that we recommend for vision as well. So mm-hmm. they've got like a lot of nutrients and iron, like minerals that are helpful for the eye. So, yeah. Okay. Before we go into a song and then do a commercial, I want to ask you one question more in optometry before we move on to the next bit. Did you um, always know you wanted to become an optometrist? Like, what got you into being an optometrist? No, I actually didn't. So, I, so believe it or not, everyone in my family thought I was going to be a fashion designer because wow. I... Hence always... why you still got the tails and vowels and that flip side yeah, of it. You couldn't let go yeah, of it. So wow. It's become a hobby, but, like, ever since I was a child, I used to draw my own outfits. I used to, like, I designed my own dress when I was 12. I used to, like, draw my outfits and go to a dressmaker and ask her to, like, make me this, you know, the dress. Wow. Um, so, um, and I had, like, a nickname that my grandmother gave me that was, like, um, in Arabic, but, like, if I translate in English, it's, like, the creator of trends. And wow, I was always, like, always a creative child. And, um, and, but at the same time, like I was, you know, I loved the science and I was really good at school. I loved studying. So it was kind of like torn between. 
I was kind of like torn between these two worlds. Like, do I do I want to do something in, in the science field or do I want to become a fashion designer? So it was kind of like... Um, what yeah, made like you what made you go that direction and have your 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 love of fashion and your love of you know um the yeah that becoming more of a just a um what did you call it um like a a like hobby a rather than yeah, yeah like rather than not so what made you actually what was that one deciding factor that said no I'll stick with a optometrist um yeah it's actually not like a lot of people might think it's you know the parents that mm. might have you know um made you, me yeah. go into the optometry but my parents were actually supportive of any decision that I made it's great so it was up to me to decide what I wanted to do um and I think I had uh, so when I was 16 I went through like a really traumatic experience Experience that I was like actually stuck in war in Lebanon hmm. um, and just witnessing like so many people around me like injured from like the war and so many people that, that I knew like my neighbors my principal just you know being like affected like injured through the war and being killed and I'm like I felt just like a 16 year old I was felt so helpless like I really wanted to help people out but I couldn't like mm -hmm. I wasn't a nurse I wasn't a doctor I wasn't like anything to help people out and that's when I feel like I just developed that sense of like I need to help people so mm -hmm. I need to like uh, I need to do something to be able to like um interact with people and help them firsthand and um and that's you know, so that was when I was 16. And then when I came back to Australia, I, um, you know, I did, you know, went through my HSC and so on and I wanted to decide on a career. And I just felt like, okay, your I wanted to do... experience heavily shaped yeah. your decision-making moving forward. Wow, I'm, I'm so, so sorry I've got goosebumps. I'm really sorry to hear that, Shireen. But you know what? I think every experience, there's a reason. You learn, yeah. And there's a reason, there's a, there's a purpose, there's a greater purpose for every experience that we um, are put in. And it's yeah. so beautiful to see that you were able to develop this humanitarian side and, and the fact that, you know, you really wanted to rescue. Um, yeah, definitely. It, it, it just made me, like, you know, a bit stronger and... Um, and just, you know, it, it opened my eyes at a very young age on what, like, the real world is like. So, wow. um, yeah. Well, that's great. Look, well, on that note, let's leave it as a positive note. Why don't we go to a quick song and <laughs> go to commercials? It. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk with um, Shireen about all things fashion and modest fashion more in particular. Great. We're going to tie this into social media, right? Yeah, apparently so, yes. <laughs> what was it? To do with the gram or something? Yep, that's I'm right. I'm so, so not young right now. <laughs> you guys have just made my age show. Thank not you very at all. Much, you're young at heart, and I don't think <laughs> you're old at all. Okay, you, let's you look, go. You look gorgeous. Thank you very much. Love your dimple. Oh, shush. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after we listen to this. <laughs>
Jewelry, multiple award-winning luxury European jewelry store, has the best designs at reasonable prices. Come visit us at Shop 2 Station Road, Auburn, or visit our online store, kekilijewelry.com.au. Two Triple O's station sponsor. Foot Surgery is run by podiatric surgeons specialising in reconstructive foot and ankle surgery in Sydney. With over 20 years experience, we are committed to delivering superior clinical outcomes and a positive patient experience through best available care and technology. To make an appointment with Dr. Hyde Dotto's John, call 9362-8838. 2 Station Sponsor. Have you been to Goes the King lately? 
We started our journey 20 years ago and now have nine locations across New South Wales, being Liverpool, Bankstown, Rhodes, Hurstville, Macquarie, Darling Harbour, Top Ride, City Central and Blacktown. We not only make the best gozlemi in Sydney, we also offer homemade desserts, rice pudding, kazandibi and our signature dessert, kinefe. Franchising opportunities available. Email us on franchising at gozlemiking.com.au. Two Triple O's station sponsor. Want to give the gift of the land down under? Yes! Head to Corporal Souvenirs for all your Australian gifts. Shop 218 Paddy's Market, Haymarket. Mention this ad for a 10% discount. And we're back. Thank you very much for that, Bushra. We are talking to Dr. Shireen Kassir, who is a therapeutically endorsed behavioural and development optometrist. But we are now going to talk to her very quickly about her Instagram page. Um, Shireen, I'm going to go straight into it. Just before when you were talking about yourself, you said that you don't like seeing yourself as a influencer, but more as an enthusiast. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more on why, what the difference is and why you think you're more of an enthusiast than um, influencer? I think- I think the word influencer just holds a lot of responsibility. Like, um, like it just feels like, you know, everything I do is influencing someone. And I mean, I'm not sure if that is true, but it's, I don't, I definitely, I just feel like I'm just sharing a hobby. Like I'm not trying to influence anyone. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, I would love to, you know, if I influence people positively while I'm doing my hobby. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's just, I feel like it's a big title to hold, like, it just holds a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, that's it, so. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you obviously mentioned before that, you know, dressmaking and fashion was part of your hobby, and um, and something you've always wanted to, to do, even when you were younger, and I'm having a look at your Instagram page, and you've got lots of um dress in here and that's one of your things as well as modest clothing as well can you um give us a rundown to those that don't understand what you mean by modest clothing what modest fashion is yeah so the term like modest fashion um is actually i don't think it existed 10 years ago Mm. so definitely not social media (laughs) do it for the gram that's what's brought it up (laughs) i love what you're doing here girl So, yeah, so it's just invented on Instagram, I guess. But it's actually like, it's so with modest fashion, just explained roughly for people who don't know, it's for, for, for women who would like, women and men, who want to dress up in a modest way, not at a, so not to reveal a lot of skin or, um, you know, the body shape. And so you don't have to be, to wear a hijab to wear, to be modest in your clothes. Thank you for saying that. Because yeah, we've got so. a, we've got one of us with a hijab and one not, and I can both oh. say that, I can say that we're both pretty modest in our clothing, oh, okay. and that's that's a, I think a big um, preconception that a lot of people have that you've got to be in a hijab to be modest, or yeah, you're yeah. if you, or vice versa. Um, okay. So that's great I that you've mentioned that. I actually didn't know that one of you guys there you didn't go. wear the hijab. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I haven't met you guys, so so for people who don't know, I'm actually we're doing this over conference call, yeah. so we're not in the studio. <laughs> together <laughs> I'm not blind no not yeah, at all um, 
Yeah, so um, yeah, so that's like with modest fashion, it does. You don't have to be a hijabi to be, you know, to be wearing modest fashion. And there's actually a lot of other religions that you know dress modestly as well. Thank it's you. Not just Muslims, like a lot of like Christians, Jews, a lot of like it could be any religion. Indians, really, that, you know, I know a lot of choice. Indians who are um, Sikh or Hindus and stuff that are very exactly absolutely. I love the tangent that this is just taking. Keep going. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and it's it's a choice at the end of the day. So it's a it's a woman's choice of how she would like to cover her body and how much she would like to reveal, and um, and I think it's just it's we're really it's really good to see that it's growing mm-hmm. and it's something that you know that now we have a choice of being modest and not. Whereas previously it's kind of like we had to make our own modest clothes because mm-hmm. it, it didn't exist. That's right. So there, we weren't. There was no, um, like you know, fashion industry didn't cater for for us. So, do you think social media has uh, contributed to the fashion industry in in the sense of seeing a niche uh, in the market and going, we need to tap 100%, into that? hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So, um, like I said, so the term modest fashion didn't exist pre social media world, pre Instagram world. So, and it's. Literally, it's literally the influencers and the social media personalities and the supporters that have made it into a thing. Okay, and just and when the big big brands started to realize that you know this social media trend is growing and it's a niche market that they can tap into, and they realized there's actually you know like in terms of like you know with Muslims, there's 1.8 billion Muslims around the world and. Mm. If you know, it's a big market, you know, and it's not just Muslim; like it's other, other, other faiths you know, as well. Other faiths as well. So, um, and they, but they've realised that it was a, it was lacking in the market. So, I definitely think social media. So, it's us, the people, mm-hmm. that drove modest fashion to become mainstream. And, and the power of, if the power it was of one. Instagram, yeah. Like we would, we would probably wouldn't have been able to express our, you know, our need for modest fashion if it wasn't for social media. So that's one of the positive things that I love about Instagram, that we can influence um, big companies from our choices and what we like on Instagram. Totally. But essentially, it's you know, it's all supply and demand. Like when yeah. you kind of look at it, I mean, if there's, if you, if you, but if you, I mean, she's, are the ones she's correct though. The more you go out, I mean, I remember years ago, you know, it was very hard to find something that's decent. You know, if you're wearing jeans, you want to wear something longer. You want to be able to cover. You know, you want you want to be modest in what your clothing is. And it was very hard years ago to find that type of stuff. But you're right though. The last, I think. 10 years probably, good 10 to 15 years, a lot of things have obviously changed. But um, Shireen, you're also doing a lot, obviously you're doing blogging and so you're blogging on your page. What, I mean, what started you blogging in the first place? I think, was it was it the fact that you kind of did a bit of a, you gave away that you had an interest in it since you were younger? Yeah. Was that, was yeah. that what kind of started that? Mm. Yeah, and I think, yeah, so that's what started it. And like when I, um, so I've, I finished, you know, my optometry degree and I was like, okay, I've got time now. So I wanted to do something about fashion and I was like, okay, let me start my Instagram page. And it's something that I discussed with my husband and my husband was very supportive. And, um, and then, you know, I wanted to choose a name for my Instagram page and I was like, okay, <laughs> I have to be like, you know, choose like, like a, a name that reflects what Stop I want to question. do. <laughs> That's good, but explain. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. 
So I'm probably um, skipping like the line here, but no. yeah. So um, yeah, so it's it's just like it's um, like I wanted to share, you know, with my Instagram name Tales and Veils. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share stories of through fashion. So mm-hmm. I just I didn't want it to be just about fashion. So I wanted to, to show people like how you know how you can be you know um like have a successful career and a successful family and also be like a modern you know and dress modestly and look stylish at the same time so and how you know fashion is intertwined in every aspect of our life like with me like as a mom my fashion sense has definitely changed from when um before i became a mom so and you know how i dress at work is different from how i dress out outside the work so it's just um just to share like my journey of through life and through, you know, modest wear and fashion. I think you portray that very successfully. On your page. Absolutely. I mean, I was supposed to select. She's like, so you can choose a photo to upload on your on, on the radio page. Um, and I don't know which one you're supposed hour. to pick. <laughs> Look, um, those of our listeners, you should really follow Tales and Veils. Um, because I'm actually, I've been looking at it too. And it's a beautiful page. Even just the colour, the colours, the pictures, the scenery, they all fit so perfectly well. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, I wanted to share a story. I wanted my pictures to say things. And every single picture here actually says something. And you know what? I think there's a lot of people who are doing a lot of blogs and pages and that kind of thing. But I think the difference with you that I can see is there's a lot of time and effort put into it. And you can see it's not just any any nitpick picture put on there you can see it's been put for a reason um and look you know the the clothing that you're wearing is perfect beautiful modest clothing and have you made anything at all at the moment yourself like have you and i know you said you like fashion you like sewing have you yeah made any of your own clothing at all is this is that something you'd want to do maybe later on in the future or yeah definitely so i i did actually design some of my clothes um I, I can't remember which photo it was on Instagram, but yeah, I do have a few pieces that I've designed. I actually have some, um, yeah, like some scarf pieces that I've designed as well. Just, um, yeah, it's, and when I travel overseas, I'm always on the hunt for, like, I go to the fabric market wow. and just like looking at prints and trying to see what I can make out of them. So, when you've yeah. got an eye for fashion, you can do that kind of stuff. Sometimes I look at prints and I'm like, yeah, whatever, and off you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It's like, yeah. It's a lot easier to just buy the dress. Yes. Like, it's just... <laughs> but, <laughs> and so do you but, use the fashion as, as a creative outlet or a stress relief? It is. It's definitely my creative outlet. Like, just, you know, being always stressed from work to, like, being a mom and the stressful being the stress of... Like, you know, keeping up with the, you know, the house and the housework and so on. So I find Instagram is was sort of actually why another reason why I started my Instagram page. So, so when I started, you know, my full time job, mm. I was like, is this it? Like, is this what I studied for? Like, is this what I'm going to do like every single day? Like, I just felt like I needed an outlet, like I needed to express myself. And um, and I would recommend anyone to like to start their own hobby, like 
such a um like a creative outlet it's such a stress reliever so to me instagram is something that i enjoy it's something fun i don't like to force myself to post things i can go like weeks without posting and for me like i'm okay with that because i don't want it to be forced i don't want it to be something uh, i just want it to be organic and it's something that i feel like posting and sharing so, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank I you very that. much, Shireen. Look, oh, there's so much more questions I can ask you, but um, we've running out of time. We've literally got a minute to go. Thank you very much oh, okay. for coming on today and talking to us a little bit about optometry and about modest fashion. I think it's a very important topic to have. Um, no worries. Thank yeah, you very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much. And for those that haven't followed, please follow her on Tales and Vales. She's got lots of um, things, not just about modest clothing, but there's a lot of um, recipes as well. But for everyone else, thank you very much for listening. Do stay tuned. It's 5.59. We've had such a great time. We will see you guys all next week. Don't forget to tune in to all our other programs and wishing you a lovely week. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me.